Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Yeah, I don't think about that stuff a great deal, but I, I did look up at the board at, um, just after I got 100, I think, and it, um, yeah, to sit third on the, the list of all-time Australians, that's... Um, I mean, there's some pretty big names there, so that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, so that was Steve Smith talking about his 30th Test 100, which means he passes Don Bradman on the list of Australian Centurions with only Steve Waugh and Ricky Ponting ahead of him. Welcome to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menes, the co-host, and this is a bit of a combined show. We're doing our day two wrap of the SCG test and our kind of weekly show because there's there's been so much to talk about. There's been a, a TV rights deal announced. There's been some controversial stuff in the Big Bash. Uh, but first, we have to start at the hottest topic of the day. Um, my co-host put a TikTok after a game at North Sydney Oval last night about the non-refund policy of the game. He has been hammered in the comments. And so I'm going to introduce Karen Dennett to the podcast. <laughs> Karen, welcome. Thank you, Menace. Um, yes, it's been quite an experience. The, um, I mean, I must say there's, there's been lots of likes as well, but for what I thought was a fairly lighthearted, gentle, gentle uh, criticism of the fact that there was no refund, um, yeah, there's been a fair few comments that have been... Um, you know, shut up, you sook, um, yes. along those lines. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I'll, re- I'll put my call out again. For, for those of you who are not aged 17 and a bit bit a bit more mature who'd like to join us on um, TikTok, please follow us on Cricket Unfiltered and go into the comments and say something nice. <laughs> Cry me a river. Pays to read the fine print then, hey? The forecast said it was going to rain. You took your chance. Tickets are about $25 FSS, which we know what that means. Um, hard luck. I think that was a why go. Start a GoFundMe. Are you doing that? I am. It was $50, our tickets. But the point I was oh, making okay. was this. I was making a serious point. Look, I don't care about, you know, I, I can handle the $50, but I'm just making the point that it, it's a bit strange that a match gets declared a no result and that there's no refund. Looking at the policy, uh, they've what they've done is they've just taken their test match policy and applied it to... 50 over and 20 over cricket. But in the test match, it's very um, much, um, I think it's 15 overs and then that's declared a day. So basically a sixth of the game. And they've done the same thing. It's six overs. You're only going to get six overs of cricket in for there to be no refund for um, a big bash game. You should have read the fine print. 
<laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> anyway, I loved it. I, lo- I loved it because, look, I actually have some sympathies with you. It's very frustrating. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you certainly copped it. And then, and then the next TikTok post, you go on to complain about the bad light and you do this, like, please go and subscribe to our TikTok because Paul does this sort of schizophrenic American-Australian kind of um, discussion. But then there's the comments that are thinking you're, like, dissing me. So there's, like... Oh, how, how come you're dissing manners when you're on the same I am. channel? You didn't watch the whole video. You didn't did. watch I the whole the video. No, where you mentioned me at the end. I yeah, did yeah. mention, I did say that. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's very funny. It's all been happening. Um, all right. We've got to get onto the cricket. Um, but just as I was leaving the cricket ground today, I'm in a lift and it's Gus Wall and Mark Taylor, one of my favourite Australian players, terrific batsman, and a couple of other people. And then the lift just stops between two floors and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to get stuck in a lift with Mark Taylor. Everyone else is panicking. I'm thinking I'm just going to start, like, asking him questions about his career, like take me through the 89 Ashes, you know, and like they're like, where's the phone? And I'll just be, like, covering it with my bag so it was stuck there for hours. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but then eventually the, the lift got going after a few minutes, but a few nervous souls for a second there. Let's start with the test match. Paul, day two, Australia finished four for 475. Steve Smith, 104. Travis had 70. We're both dismissed today. Usman Khawaja is 195, not out. Matthew Renshaw, five, not out. What did you make of the day's play? Uh, well, I mean, just total dominance by the Aussies. A bit sad that once again, South Africa are on the wrong side of the scoreboard demonstrably. You know, I'll be saying everything that everyone else is thinking. Wonderful to see Khawaja's... It's a year ago that he came back into the side with such a bang, and a year's down the a year down the line, he's still doing it. Um, Smith just incredible. Head again, um, a really important sort of innings coming out there and smashing it everywhere. Um, I, I I don't think the pitch is great. Uh, I think that it's not a terrible pitch, but if I'm being honest, I think that the Gabba pitch is a better pitch, and that's that that got a, a below average rating. Um, I'd much rather ah, see wickets on. falling. Come on! Sorry, that's what you can't believe. Do you believe that? Yeah, yeah I believe if it. You, like if you if you're rating the, the Gabba pitch in this one, you're rating the Gabba pitch higher. Yes, I, I'd say that the Gabba pitch um, shouldn't have been as spicy as it was, mm. but this one is it's just lacking in bounce um, and lacking in pace. And um, there's look, there may well be a, a grandstand finish to this test match, in which case people will come back, oh, how could you have criticised it? Look at the, what it produced. But on the evidence of the first two days, it's not a terrible pitch. But if you were bringing someone who'd never seen cricket before to the game, which is a better advertisement for cricket, the, the Gabba has produced more attractive cricket than this. There's balls that Unric Norkia is bowling at 150 kilometres an hour that are dying before they get to, get to the wicketkeeper. Um, uh, look, I'm not saying this to troll you, men, as I really am not, but maybe it's time they should consider the option, at least, of drop-in pitches for Sydney. The fact that um, you could have instead of um, no 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 don't don't go on your high horse and think that I'm trolling. I'm actually making a serious point. I'm listening. Part of the reason that the groundsman said that they were going to struggle with this pitch was that the uh, Aussie Rules season, well, the Swans played um, longer than expected. They also had the T20 World Cup that was in the way. Um, you think about a game of Aussie Rules football towards the end of the year and the pitches being trodden in, smashed everywhere. That same equivalent pitch in the other states that have drop-ins is being grown and nurtured healthily off-site. That would be a good option to have. Um, I'm not saying to use it all the time, but grow a pitch off-site and then say, okay, the real the ones here aren't going to be as good as we want. Luckily, we've got this reserve. Now, I don't know whether that's feasible uh, from a technological point of view, but I, I think that um, it's, it's a strange preparation for a test pitch getting run over by um, Aussie rules players. Yeah, well, uh, I think there's some discussion that when the new stand was built, they made it in such a way that it would be impossible to get a drop-in pitch and wicket in and out of the new, the, new, the way the SCG is now. So maybe you've never worked out whether that's an urban myth or not. That that was just one of the the, the, well, the head of. Didn't yeah. they do it deliberately? Like it was, it's if it was ten centimeters wider, it would be fine. And he said, "Nah, we're yes. going to keep it that second. 
could never happen. I love that. And and my other left field solution is, okay, say we can't make the Swans go and play at Homebush, which is my A solution, but I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. Um, Could we at least, at games played at the SCG, get the, what's the ball, the thing when they toss the ball up to start the game and and they do it in the middle? Couldn't they just do that off the centre square? Like move like, (laughs) you know, 50 metres to your left and just do it. Not there. I don't even know what it's called, but can we? Can they do it there? Um, what they should do is, you know how when they, they allow the crowd onto the field after a day of a test match and they rope the pitch off? Yes. That's what you want for Aussie rules. The centre square to be <laughs> and totally play broke around off it. and play around it. <laughs> that, that's my plan. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, so, uh, our friend Robert, Robert Fairhead, who's like a big Swans fan, will be really enjoying that suggestion. So, look, um, hello, Robert, if you're listening. Um I don't think the pitch is that bad. I, look, I agree it's a tad slow, but I think the problem is because of the rain and the cloud, it's not drying and baking and they actually want it to turn and you would probably see more turn and reverse swing today, which would make for a more entertaining contest. Um, I just don't why, think the game is better. Why is it still so beholden to the elements that I would have thought that in the lead up to it, if, if the weather's not warm enough, can't they put heating to it? Can't they... No, but it's, it's now the last. But you mean once days, the game so, starts? Yeah, so they they think it's going to be good weather, and then if it's like this, the the pitch doesn't deteriorate. Um, but look, I agree with you. It's not a fantastic pitch, but it's definitely not as slow as it was, say, four years ago. Like no, watching true. the shots played, the ball was coming on. I think part of it is South Africa. I'm telling you, they're on the plane home. Half of them just want to get this test match over with. Rabada, Norky is still putting in. He's about the only one. Um, so Marco Janssen's bowling rubbish. Um, so I reckon that's part of it, not just the pitch. I, I think you, you might be right. When the Australian bowlers bowl, they, it might put a different complexion on things. Uh, like I, I agree. I don't think it's a terrible pitch. I, I think it's just it's – and I, I see the, the, the reasons behind it, um, but I, I enjoyed the Gabba game more. Yeah, Paul is rattled after that TikTok. I can hear it. Um, so Uzi, he's a third century in a row at the SCG. He passed 4,000 test runs um, for Australia in the innings. He was the 27th batter to do that. Um, Steve Smith passed 1,000 test runs at the Sydney Cricket Ground. As I said, it was his 30th test century. Steve Waugh has 32. I think Ricky has 40. Um, so Smudge could catch War. Um in the press conference after the game, Ben Horn asked Steve Smith how long he wants to play on for. And he was said he's just going series by series at the moment and he has no idea how long he'll play for. And he was very non-committal. Um, and I was quite struck by that, that I think we'll see Smith next summer at the SCG, but perhaps this is his last SCG test. Um. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, I think we've talked about this before. I, I think he's being non-committal because you would just sound being you would sound presumptuous if if you if you said, "Oh, yeah, I want to keep on going at the top level for five years," and then you have a, a get an injury or something like that. I, I just think that's not the way that sports people are wired, and that he's had. Look at the last few years with all the turmoil with COVID, his suspension, and everything else. He's probably right to just take it. Um, one series at a time. And I just don't think that he would have given it much thought um, further down the track than that. I don't think that means he's, he's on the way out at all. Mm, yeah. I, I didn't get the feeling we'll see him. I mean, Alan Border played till he was almost 40. Steve War the same. Ricky Ponting, the same. Like they were, you know, late thirties. I mean, Smith is only 33. I don't think he's 34 yet. So he could conceivably play for five more years and catch Ponting. Um, well, if he's I mean, the keen government- to. The government should take it out of his hands. I've said this before. They should say, you're not retiring. Um, you'll retire when we let you retire. Um, you, you've reached a threshold. This is a compliment to you. You're so good that um, you're you're required for the national effort to play till we deem that you can retire. Yeah, he's a billion dollars. Don't retire. Um <laughs> um, Suzman Kawaja and Steve Smith put on a 209 run partnership. It was their 10th century stand in Test cricket. They actually got a really good partnership. I think it was their 10th century stand in about 35 innings. So that's incredible. Usman Kawaja, that's his highest Test score, beating his 174 versus New Zealand at the Gabba. 
So it was, it's a great day for the Aussie batters. Hard to see any other result than an Australia win or, or South Africa maybe clutching on for a draw, but I think they're gone. And, and I can't see them batting it out on this pitch with the Australian attack. Can you? Uh, it's difficult. I mean, the last I looked, the forecast for tomorrow was pretty grim. Uh, day five looks great. Uh, so we're certainly going to get a fair bit more cricket. Um, but yeah, I, I think an Australian win is more likely than a draw at this stage. And yeah, a South African win, you never say never, but you, yeah, it's, it's a hard one to, to fathom. I just wanted to send out a, a stat that I came on Twitter by Cricketing View. They put out the tweet, the closest thing to Bradman in the rest of Test history is Steve Smith making 4,000 runs at 90 in the first innings of a Test match, not counting today's century. So they basically said, excluding innings two, three, and four, um, Steve Smith averages 89.7 prior today, prior to today. And that is, um, as they said, that's the closest to Bradman. To be fair to Bradman, um, if you look at his average only in the first innings of a Test, his average goes up to 114. So... I always want to defend Bradman. But Labashane is about 89 as well, albeit with, with fewer runs. So um, it's pretty remarkable the way that the, the, the their stats are looking. And one other quick one that each time, um, if you go to how stat, they've got this really cool stat, which is the um, who had the highest average after X number of innings. And so for all the innings that the Bradman played, obviously, except for the very first few, he's the number one. So after, for example, 47 innings, who has the highest test match? Obviously, it's Bradman. But once you yeah. get into the territory where we're at now, Smith innings after innings after innings is just um, vacuuming up all the opposition. Um, and it's um, it's pretty cool how he's just putting the list going longer and longer and longer. Eventually, he'll be having to get uh, Ponting and Callis, Sangakara and Tendulkar towards the end. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how long he can keep on um, notching those up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was such a joy to watch him make a century today. A lot to watch tomorrow on day three. Usman Khawaja, five runs short of what could would be his first ever test double century. Matt Renshaw, as five not out on his return to test cricket, he hit his first ball for four. Um, so um, started very well. Uh, a few now, would, th- you other declare? Things. would you declare overnight? They No, I, no, I wouldn't. Um, I, I think I would bat till after lunch tomorrow and then um, go from there. Yeah, I tend to agree. But I, I wonder whether they would declare if um, instead of uh, – if Kawaja was already 200 and if if there wasn't a need to give Renshaw a bit of a, a go, I wonder whether there would be any um, temptation to declare. There might be. Or let's say the first four hours are washed out tomorrow. They might end up having to make that difficult decision to declare. Yeah, actually, what I think they'll do is they'll, if the weather's good, play starts at 10 a.m., so the first session will be two and a half hours. They might sort of bat for two hours and then bowl for a little spell before lunch. But I think they'd want to get a big total and at least give the option of a follow-on. So if there is a bit of rain, maybe they can just bowl South Africa out twice and they don't bat because they're coming on and off. The bowlers won't get too tired. Um a few other things that happened today. Um, so uh, New South Wales cricket, and look, I'm biased. I'm a New South Welshman. I commentate for them. What else? I'm biased, but they continue to lead the way in cricket. Um, two things today. The first one is at the Sydney Cricket Ground, the first ever statue of a women's cricketer was unveiled. Belinda Clark was uh, bronzed, not her. She was made in bronze um, in the um, out the back of the Sydney Cricket Ground. So it's a world first. It's a beautiful statue. Um, and I, I just think how good that New South Wales can tick off another box as a world first. And it's long overdue, but I think it'll pave the way for many more. It's funny that um, probably every other cricket podcast done outside of Sydney would have led with, God, the Sydney weather's awful. Um, but we've found a way to, to lead with New South Wales cricket is the best. Um, I agree with you. It's a good statue as well. It's a really good, captures a really good um, sort of a front foot Swashbuckling shot. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I, I, I endorse your sentiments. I agree. Yeah, and and look, I think there should be more female cricketers more to, uh, put into statue like this. She's not dead yet, Belinda. Um, but um, I, I actually think the next one should be Elise Perry. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of fine contributors to Australian cricket, but nobody, no player put women's cricket on the map like Elise Perry. And um, you, you can say what you – everybody else, a lot of fine contribution. She is streets ahead of the field. Agree, hundred percent. And what I would like to see, Menas, is one night you in the 
in the depths of night, um, sneaking up to the SCG and destroying the Paul Ruse Aussie Rules um, statue there and getting um, <laughs> your own one sculpted in of um, Elise Perry in its place. You'd love to do that. <laughs> dumping them at jo- dumping them all out at Homebush. All this, the Paul Ruse out there, stay there. Um, and then, and then another thing today, New South Wales Cricket put out a, a press statement saying. Um, they wanted to go on record as saying man cads, and they don't want to use the term mad cad. They went on record as saying run out, run outs at the non-strikers end are fine. They want to debunk this whole stigma around it and basically towing the line that a lot of people are saying at the moment that it's actually the batters that are the ones um, not sticking to the spirit of the game, cheating at the non-strikers end. And New South Wales Cricket released an official policy on this now, like in a statement we basically support runouts at the non-strikers end. And I am thrilled that, again, New South Wales cricket is just, you know, seeing through the weeds and actually putting a foot forward and saying, no, this is what we believe in. It's interesting because um, that's what they've done with the laws. They've they've moved it from um, whatever it was like sort of questionable play uh, into just normal runouts. I agree that, that there should be no stigma. The one thing I don't, Sort of, it's a very comfortable name. It's like it's it's a name that has is kind of has kind of stuck. What would be nice if they, if they could remove the stigma but keep the name so that it's no longer a criticism of the player, but a way of um, having him remembered. I mean, if it was me, I'd rather be remembered than forgotten. Um, I was reading Bradman's book the other night uh, about it. The, the when when the Bill Brown incident occurred, and Bradman made the point that Bill Brown wasn't critical. And Bradman himself wasn't critical. He, he wrote, I cannot understand why there was um, uh, such a fuss matter. None of us had any problem at all. And he said, I always make a point of waiting till I can see the ball in the air before I move out of my crease. I commend that advice to all other batters. So maybe if we can totally destigmatize it, then the name Mancad could actually um, continue without the stigma. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for that. I, I love history and you have to embrace history in some ways. And that is part I of do- it. But I, I'm... I'm just so glad New South Wales cricket have, have led the way on, on these two major issues today. I do think that what um, others have said, and Brett Lee, for example, said it as well, that rather than having it as a, a an actual run out, let's get the third umpire involved. And um, uh, if the if the ball, at the same time as they're checking the front foot, if the bat has um, left the crease prior to the ball leaving the bowler's hand, have a, have a penalty the other way. Like, um, uh, one of our listeners was saying maybe they could make it a short run if there's any runs, or they could make it a reverse no ball. Like the the umpire could just have a, a different signal to say, "Oh, yep, non-strikers out of their ground, one run to the fielding side." Um, rather than because that takes the sting out of it. Where you know if you're the bowler and you're frustrated because the batter is genuinely moving a long way out, and then you're there thinking, "I really probably should run them out here," I wouldn't want to go through that. You, 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 for all the defenders you'll get, you'll get. Um, hundreds of thousands of people criticising the hell out of you <laughs> after my very, very gentle experience of being roasted on TikTok by about 40 people. Um, I can't imagine what it must be like to be properly roasted. Um, it's, I wouldn't want to go through it. I don't think anyone should have to. So take this, the pain out of it and just say, um, yep, yeah, guess what? Um, you were out of your crease and there's a run to the fielding side or um, it would just remove everything. Yeah, I've not seen someone ratioed like you ever before. That was incredible. Um, no, no, wait a second. I'm going to have to defend myself. It's been a fantastic success. It's had 75,000 views. Oh, yeah, I'm not knocking, thousands I'm not knocking of thousands. you. I encourage no, you no. to do it. I'm encouraging you. You're using the word ratio incorrectly. I've got 3,000 likes and about... Um, I think some of the hate likes. I think they're... <laughs> <laughs> And a few comments having a go at me, but no, I, you know, I stand by it. It's it's a it's a real success. All right, and now I'm going to take you up on something else. So uh, this is the bad light rule. Now, listeners who listened to the daily review review yesterday will know uh, I'm not in favour of changing the ball mid game if there's bad light, pink to red, red to pink, however you do it. I'm happy if they want to make the SCG test a day night test, a pink test, and that I think gives you more a chance of a result and less chance of rain affecting it. But I heard you say on TikTok where you're slamming me, a diss track on me, um, that you think you're happy with them swapping balls for the light if, if they come no. off to go. You're not? I'm not I'm not happy with them swapping balls. Oh, so not happy. I'm furious that they're not. Um, oh, furious think, that they're not. Yeah, I think it's – I've said this for years. It's absolutely stupid that they don't, and I'm sure I can convince you, Manners. 
Um, you will <laughs> you will come to see the error of your of your ways. I have done so. I was critical when they first put jersey numbers on jerseys in Test cricket, but I'm now all for it. Listen, the, there's no disadvantages to it whatsoever. Imagine how good it would be, and I want you to try to actually genuinely think of this. Right, I'm meditating on it. Yep. Test match wherever it is. 20,000 people in the house, millions of people watching on TV, games interestingly poised. There's no rain about. Lead in skies. Uh-oh. The dreaded light meters come out. Off they go. Wouldn't it be awesome if instead of that and instead of everyone thinking, this is crazy, there are floodlights beaming. In a week's time, we're going to play a pink ball or a white ball game where we play in these situations. No other sport in the world would be walking off due to bad light with floodlights beaming. That instead of walking off, they then said, okay, We've had 35 overs with this ball. We bring out a pink ball that's 35 overs old. Away we play. Maybe they play for another 15 overs in stumps or whatever else. Next morning, sun shining. They say, right, we'll get you a new red ball that's 50 overs old and on we'll go. Now you're going to say, yeah, but it's unfair because there's um, you, you, you could find that the ball starts to move around a bit more. And I would have some sympathy for that view if the rest of cricket was played in a hermetically sealed totally artificial, perfect set of conditions. But there's already massive amounts of luck. that you, you lose the toss like South Africa have done in this match, basically give, gave them no chance. You bat on a day in England under sunny skies, and the next day the opposition has to, opposition has to bat under grey skies. they got no chance. There are umpiring mistakes. The, mistakes. the pitch deteriorates through the match. Um, already in pink ball games, we have this, where they're, they're talking about, oh, what time will the pink ball move? And there's the... There's the um, that situation, it's already artificial because sometimes they say, rather than going off for a few overs, we're only going to have spinners bowling. Um, and it's crazy that we have the match getting called off on the potentially on the fifth day when there's a result in the offing. But oh, because we had to go off for light for three days earlier, we, we have to now call it off. If we did what I'm saying, you would enjoy it. You would much rather the pink ball out there, the game continues. And yeah, maybe it swings a little bit more. But as I said, there are 767 other strange vagaries and disadvantages and unfairnesses in in cricket. Um, At least they're still playing. And in this format of the game that everyone's saying is dying, at least we don't have this farcical situation anymore. It would be fun. It would be good. (laughs) I mean, the balls are just so different. I, I, I see your point and it's a valid take but um I, I just think it would really just change the integrity of the game too much because you know you're in your situation they use the pink ball for 15 overs what if the bowling side gets six wickets say say they're playing on this pitch which is pretty tough to get wickets but they get the pink ball and oh they get six wickets um and then yeah. you know the rest but of the they- test match the light's fine the other team doesn't get to use the pink ball and therefore one team's had an advantage like do you say okay this team's had the pink ball from overs 35 to 50 so whatever happens uh, the next bowling side can have the same option. I just think it opens the door to way too many problems. The way to solve this is, say, Sydney test, it's ruined by rain, let's play a day-night test, and therefore, if we lose a bit of time, we'll still probably get a result. No, but th- the thing is, you're already having all of those situations that occur always anyway. That You, you know, th- there's a... No, not that extreme, though. Like, yeah, there okay, is that extreme. It, you, you come out and play, you, you, day one, the, the sky is black, but not not enough to go off for bad light. And the the bowling side, uh, like that 2010-11, the um, MCG test, that first day oh, no, that um, no, yeah. Australia batted first, we were absolutely blown away because the conditions were so difficult. Um, if if there'd been a nice, bright, sunny day on that day, Australia probably would have finished it at three for three hundred. The um, the the difference is nowhere near as much as you think, anyway. Because half the time, even in the pink ball test matches, it's it doesn't always um, make a big difference. Uh, there there are times when it's completely um, flat and easy. Um, I, I understand where you're coming from, but it's a small step in the wrong. It's a small thing to say, to a price to pay, to have this crazy situation where you're walking off on in um, uh, with with floodlights on and, and and a game that could be played. Um, Test cricket has to. It can't do that, and it's not just okay to suddenly switch it to a to a pink ball test match, a day night test match. That's not the answer because you can't do that in all venues around the world. They're not going to do that in Lords. I know they've had day night tests in England, but they're not going to do it very regularly. It's a partial solution. The other one I heard Nick Hockley was talking about. They're talking about getting better lights. Well, I'd be all up for that. Um, I just think that 
it'd be like when they brought in run out technology. You'd be one of those back in the early nineties. Oh no, it brings out takes I away the human element. Too. There's nothing similar about it. It's it's too haphazard. It's it's just it just that's what they said. I mean, sometimes you you haven't got the technology perfect. You can't have it. You you know, um, I'm sure if they brought it in about a year afterwards, you'd look at me one day and say, actually, you're right, Paul. It's it's but, fine. Because I just think ended. like you would get things like oh, you know. Teams would be like, oh, it's 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 uh, you know it's dark. Maybe um, you know we'll try and bowl now, so we get the pink ball. And that's what you, you get know, in teams, pink ball tests already. And but you'd get that like in weird situations, and then you'd get like um, you know team selections. Like you know if you no, use your pink wouldn't. ball, you might want you would it's just, not. It's there would silly. never be very there'd be no very team silly. selection. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna pick Mitchell Stark. We wouldn't have like otherwise. He may just a, use a different color ball. Off you go. Uh, I just I don't think it's it, look I don't think it's a terrible idea I because I don't like the fact that there was a lot of cricket fans who left the Sydney Cricket Ground on day one upset and there's your disappointed answer. against your argument which is essentially zero um, that your argument that they might select a different side I mean did no, you hear what you said no, did you no, hear what came out of your mouth? This- yeah, because if you're using a pink and a red ball, you might want a different team. Like on that SCG pitch, you might think with a pink ball. <laughs> we'll go with a whole different sp- 11. We'll go with no, a whole bowling attack. Team. Yeah, bowling. Yeah, Steve Smith, we don't need you. Um, no, and we, like have to, my situation we have to pick is, Mitchell Stark. What, so what is, do you think that's fine if a team, they get 15 overs with the pink ball, they get six wickets, uh, the other team doesn't get that chance because the light never goes bad again. That team that got the, the pink ball for 15 overs wins because of that session. And then at the end of the test match, the other team is spewing because they've been disadvantaged. It, it's not, yes, but it's it like it's wet wickets again. I think it's a bigger variance. I think it's a bigger variance. South Africa, probably as soon as they lost this test match, I know they've played badly, but as soon as they lost the toss here, they probably lost the test match. That's a far bigger thing. I think it's that simple. Um, Anyway, solutions. I'd love to hear from the listeners on this. Um, And, look, we're getting some great questions. Um, So what we'll do is we'll hit the YouTube questions at the end of the show. So keep uh, throwing them in there. Um, All right. So since our last podcast, a TV deal has been announced, the massive TV deal. And I haven't actually crunched the numbers. It's supposed to be one, a touch over $1.5 billion in when they sort of put it all together nicely to make it sound a lot. Um, but, but look, the, the key things you need to know is it's basically business as usual. It's staying on Fox Cricket, KO and Channel 7. Uh, there are a few differences which I think are good for the viewer. Now the free-to-air coverage will be also streamed on 7 Plus at the same time, so you don't have to sign up to KO to watch it digitally and stream it, which I think is massive because there's so many of the the next generation that don't even know what a a TV aerial is or how it works. And then um, they've shortened the Big Bash to, I think, 43 games, which starts not next season but the season after. Uh, but they're actually the only real differences. Apart from that, it's very similar to what we've got at the moment with the white ball internationals behind a paywall on Fox Cricket and KO and the Big Bash, um, Fox having some exclusive Big Bash games. And I think the only difference is next TV rights, it's just on Saturdays. I think Fox have two games, but every other night there'll be a game in prime time, as my co-host Paul Dennett has been asking for. Yeah, uh, good summary. I think, I, I think my overarching viewpoint is one of relief because there was a time we, we were chatting about it that we we're looking, thinking, well, wait a minute, um, Cricket Australia really offended Channel Ten at the the last bidding. Channel Nine said goodbye to them and were kind of like, see you later. We never want to see you again. Channel Seven are taking them to court. There's nowhere else to turn, and. There are some sports in Australia where they've kind of been dumped by free-to-air TV and they've never come back. So the fact that they were still able to secure, not only secure a, a, a decent deal, but to have competition as well, that there was, you know, Channel 9 was apparently interested, Channel 10 made a bid that was even more lucrative, and the fact that at the end of it all, they've been able to get uh, a substantial amount of money at a time when TV is struggling the landscape is changing and, you know, TV companies aren't stupid. They're not going to pay money that they don't think is um, is worthy. Uh, so the, the, the big relief is that's a great tick for the health of cricket in this country, that, that, that they are still willing to to pay a fair bit of money uh, to show it. It still confirms that it's up there still with rugby league and Australian rules as, you know, among the three dominant sports of the country. That's my main take out of it because 
I just think that the the coming two or three years, the landscape is going to continue to change so quickly. It'll be, I think the opinions we have now as to what the TV deal looks like, we'll probably look back in three years and think, oh, that was, they were cute opinions. But now the, the reality has, has changed the way we look at it. Because I remember when the first TV deal was made, when the white ball internationals went behind a paywall, I was like, I, I'm disappointed by that, but I was kind of calm. And now I've come to realize it was a really, really bad thing to have happened to the game. And I'm still disappointed that they're behind a paywall, but you know, it kind of is what it is. Uh, the only thing I'll say is that if one day cricket was the behemoth that it once was, then it would have been an absolute disaster. But because one day cricket itself, 50 over cricket is, is falling apart in this country. It's not quite so bad, but that's sort of cold comfort. But on the whole, um, I'm, I'm, uh, it could have been a lot worse, I think. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I like it. So Channel 7 got a great deal. They're paying less for more stuff. I mean, th- th- yeah, so I think they're paying $65 million a year, which is less than they were paying on the last deal, and they're getting the streaming and, and stuff. So they've got a good deal. What's clear is News Corp and Fox Sports really wanted cricket still because they they made up the the difference. So, um, you know, they were able to sort of, uh, I think, approach what the, the 10 Paramount offer was. So, um, you know, you know, News Corp, whether you love them or hate them, they've got a massive um, footprint in Australia with media-wise. So if they're behind cricket, that's good for the game. Obviously, I appear on Fox Cricket, so I'm kind of uh, biased a, a bit, but I think they do really good coverage. Um, um, so... I'm glad for that. I do think, and it's a point you made. I don't think, um, I don't think moving to Paramount like would have been like this huge thing, but it certainly would have been difficult for a lot of people that are still getting used to it moving off nine to all of a sudden then be going, okay, where's the cricket now? Um, so I think they don't have to go through that process of re-educating everyone. Oh, this is where you can find the cricket. Um, but but I, I was saying earlier on one of our shows that I think a sport in Australia does have to take the money from CBS eventually. I mean, otherwise they'll go somewhere else and Australia needs that sort of investment in our sport. Yeah, potentially. Um, uh, it's also not even just um, those who wouldn't know how to access Paramount. It's those who wouldn't bother. And I, I've said before, I see exactly my situation with the Premier League when um, seven years ago, wherever it was, the Premier League went from um, Foxtel to Optus and I was a casual fan. I would flick on here and there. I'd watch the odd match, half a match here, half a, half a match there. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't obsessed by it. And then as soon as I went to Optus, it's like, I'm just not going to watch it now. I'm not, I'm so um, lazy. I'm not going to find out what the login details are and, and do it. Um, I, I think I did it for one game at one point and that was it. Um, and I've barely watched a game of Premier League since. My um, my experience, I'm sure, would be replicated by, for, for lots of Australians who currently maybe they do have it on KO, they do have it on Foxtel, but they think, oh, Paramount, I can't be bothered. And um, that's not to no slide on Paramount. Um, and I'm sure in years to come, that's where it's um, it's all going to be streaming, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, I mean, I think Cricket Australia didn't have many options because Channel 9 have the Australian Open. So that, I don't think they were serious about the cricket. And, you know, Ch- Channel 10 and Paramount wanted everything. So they're, they're only left with seven to negotiate with. And, um, you know, Channel 7 get away with trash, trashing cricket for three years. Um, you know, the white ball internationals being behind a paywall, um, I've just kind of accepted then that that is the death of those sort of formats in Australia. Like there'll be no interest in white ball internationals anymore. Uh, But I do think that mirrors what the future tours program looks like and the importance of those on a, on a sort of a broad, um, uh, you know, a broad aspect of it's diminished. So I don't think, I don't think it's a big thing as as sad as I am that the white ball internationals are behind a paywall because I don't think they should be. I think every time Australia plays at home, it should be on free to air. And I'm disappointed that's not being enforced. Um, But at the same time, um, you know, the future tours program doesn't show much respect to to them. So if if they're not that important, then they're just going to be TV events now for Fox. Um, Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that um, when I look back at the heyday of one-day cricket in Australia, the thing that I, I think has really changed is that it brought in um, the casual non-cricket fan in a way that for a while the Big Bash was starting to do. 
and hopefully the Big Bash can do again. But I think at the moment it's not. I was a bit disturbed in the last in the Christmas period. I've seen and played in a couple of um, backyard park cricket games with extended friends and family, and the number of kids um, who were kind of eight, nine, ten, eleven, who just had no concept of how to bowl a ball and were throwing it, and whose fathers were able to bowl at the same age, made me sort of realise that cricket's always got to fight for the next generation because the barriers to entry are so much more than other sports. Um, and so back in the day when, you know, uh, coming up after the news, except for a bloody current affair, we've got the cricket and, you know, half the country's watching, Tony Gregg pumping it up. It's um, under lights, the SCG, the Australian side's playing. Everyone knew who was playing. That's how it grabbed even the people who are on the peripheries into it in a way that it's currently currently not being do- doing. I don't think having the white ball cricket in front of a paywall uh, without the paywall would solve that problem, but it would go a little bit of the way towards doing so. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's just a concern I have. I think that the, we do need the big bash roaring back to try to sort of grab that next generation of fans. Yeah, and it's undeniable if the white ball internationals, white ball internationals were on free to air, people would get home and they'd flick them on and you'd probably get, you know, maybe close to a million watching them every game. So that audience is lost to cricket. Um, uh, I mentioned the Big Bash, so it's going to be reduced to 10 games per season. And ironically, or coincidentally, Paul, that's the year we did our Big Smash Cricket podcast. So we're well aware of that format. 10 games per team, which I think is a good amount. They've changed the the finals there, which I'm a bit surprised about. There's only going to be three finals. So I think the top of the table after the, the 10 rounds will go straight through to the grand final. And then you'll have two two to four playing off to meet them. I think as they did in the WBB, a three V4 will play two for a spot in the final. So um, I think that's curious because I think those finals games are, are big ticket items, knockout cricket's fantastic. So I would like to see four games in the finals. But overall, when we've talked about it enough, but shorter um, Big Bash is good. The only curious thing is next year is the, the Big Bash is the same size as this year. Now, they've already conceded that it needs shortening, but it, so that means they're going to have you know, still next season to try and sell this bloated big bash. So I think they might have to get creative and work out a way of actually starting next year. Next season doesn't shape as a great season, does it? Because they've got the um, World Cup of 50 over cricket that's going to push things back. That That's in India. So uh, as I understand it, we're going to have test matches against the West Indies in January. Um, the West Indies are sadly the hardest sell in world cricket at the moment. So, yeah. And Pakistan uh, are playing Boxing Day and the New Year's. They're playing the three tests before that. So it's Pakistan then. Yeah. West well, Indies. I mean, the rivalry with Pakistan is one that we need to do everything we can because that's got the potential to be fantastic. So I'm all for that. Um, but, again, it's, it could come down to this summer that if Pakistan don't perform in those three tests, then the international summer is a bit of a write-off without the T20 World Cup at the beginning to uh, for, at home to make it to, to sort of salvage it a little bit. So... Um, anyway, um, I, I think, yeah, uh, well, we've said it before. Uh, we were both big fans of the Big Bash going to 14 games. It's taken me longer than you to admit that we were wrong. Uh, I'm sad that we were wrong, but um, the, it's good that they've gone back to to the 10 games. And um, I don't mind the reduction in finals because I think one of the problems is that uh, people have been um, not turning up to the finals so much because they are right at the start of February when people are going back to school and people can't book them in advance because they don't know when they're on. So I think one of the advantages of this is that, as they did with the WBBL, as soon as the regular season, um, as soon as a side is guaranteed as being the minor premiers, as it were, you know that the grand final will be at that side's home ground. And so you've got the longer time to try to get tickets for the big game. Um, so I, I think that's part of the reason that they're doing it. So, And I don't mind that they've gone down from five to four. I think five, it, having five finalists in an eight-team competition it almost stretches the bounds of it being so much of a gimmick that it's not worthwhile. I think four is probably better. Yeah, I agree with four. I'd just like to see one V2 playoff first to for to go into the final and then um, three V4 plays the lo- three V4 plays off to play the loser of the one V2 game. Um, but look, it, it's only a small thing. I think this is a step in the right direction. I have a solution to fix the Big Bash next summer. I saw what the, the Caribbean Premier League did. 
did. They launched their season last year with a, a T10 Carnival weekend. So I think they should reduce the Big Bash next season and to make up the shortfall in games for television, do them in T10 format you know, over a weekend. Um, and that would be a great way to sort of I think generate buzz before the Big Bash. And I hope they listen to me for once. <laughs> yeah, potentially. It's not a bad idea. All right, we've got a couple more topics before we wrap, wrap this up. Um, since our last show, Michael Nisa has performed one of the greatest catches in Big Bash history. Whether you like it or not, he, uh, it was against Jordan Silk of the Sydney Sixers. He, he caught it on, on the boundary at the Gabba, then tossed it up, was outside the boundary, jumped in the air, parried the ball back into play, then ran into play and caught it. It was farcical in nature. You shouldn't be able to do that, but it was incredible. Um, do, do you think they need to fix this law, Paul? I've got two answers. One, yeah, probably. But my real answer is no, because I just enjoy the rest of the cricketing <laughs> world feeling the way that I normally feel. I get so passionate about rules that no one cares about. And suddenly this has come along and it's like everyone seems to be to be caring about it. I mean, I've, I'm waiting for the UN to release a statement on it. Um, and everyone's like, oh, that shouldn't be a catch. And like, let's march on parliament. That's disgraceful. And I, you know, I think it probably shouldn't be a catch. But there's, I think um, there's a misnomer that you could stand outside the boundary and just jump as the ball came to you and then just um, tap it up all the way. You can't do that. Your first contact with the ball has to be inside the field of play. So one of your major concerns that you raised is not is not actually valid. Well, I just think no, no. I think once the play goes out of play, then that's it. It's, you know, you're done. You can't. I know, but you're saying be out there. You're, and in your video, you said that oh, you're going to have players standing outside the boundary line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you can't because you've got to. Th- you've what got if to they touch just it jump once. in the air and just Does carry it, it back? No, in. that's no good. Yeah, so you misunderstood like, it. No, no, no. Well, anyway, I want you. To, I want. No, no, no. We're not. We're not brushing this away. I want you to understand it. That was. I if do understand. That was an offhand comment. You could. The players okay. actually have to be. That's all you need to field. say. That's all you need to say. The, the players have to be in the field of play. Actually, I think when the ball's delivered, anyway. Um, yeah, so but in, in any case, them. they have to touch it once in the field of play. I just thought it's, it's just bizarre. They were playing. They, they just like bombed it up in the air and caught it. Um, well, yeah. I mean. The, the thing you do is if you're if you're losing a match um, uh, and you just take an easy catch, you could just bump it the whole way to the off off the field and then then start hitting it to each other until bad light stops play. Um, nice. Um, so uh, you were in North Sydney Oval last night um, for the the game where you didn't get your refund. Uh, <laughs> So it's a GoFundMe, Paul's big bash. Yeah, please. Um, um, but but just just what was the experience like there? I mean, there were some great figures that it had huge TV ratings. It was a sellout at the ground, almost 9,000 people. Um, you know, what was the atmosphere like? Um, you know, how, how worried about the balls coming at you were you? Take me into the North Sydney Oval. It was great. Um, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the, the cricket was, you know, People say, "Oh, these small grounds—it's—it's it's a bit silly." But you do get that sense of excitement. Like we're going to see a lot of sixes. Um, and when when Colin Munro was absolutely tearing uh, the Sydney Sixes at the start um, apart, it was really exciting to watch. Um, I didn't feel scared because um, I, I'm naive, arrogant enough to think that if the ball comes in my direction, I'll catch it, um, or at least I'll drop it. I won't I won't wear it in the face. Um, unless some idiot in front of me deflects it into me. Uh, but I still think that all our concerns around the security and safety of the fans are valid because you just need one flat six. And I, I was standing on the hill at one point and it is a very, very short boundary. Uh, and there were kids there and everything else. So it's, a, it's an open issue. Um, I don't know what the... We, we canvassed that last time. But that aside, um, um, yeah, I'm probably... I've come around to it a little bit more. Um, it was... It was uh, same as same as with the WBBL. The, the the criticism was that the catering, the 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 lines for food and 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 drink were were massive. But that that aside, um, uh, it was pretty good. I, I think they should have played before they did. I think that was a bit strange that they. I think they could have actually got a game. That the the rain was very light and misty for a long time. And I know you got to protect player safety. You know you don't want the pitch to get wet. It was also curious that they still had an innings break. That. Um, after a third, when the game's been reduced to 13 overs and they stopped and then they spend 10 minutes doing nothing, they should just have straight away, no innings break at all, bang, out you come in these in these rain delays. There's no need to have an innings break. 
Okay, boomer. Um, all right, now some questions. Here. <laughs> um, we've got a, there's a lot of comments in there, but we'll just answer the questions. Nicholas Whitlock, thinking forward to India. Do you guys think this Australian side can win? Um, also, why do they keep picking Harris or not picking him? Um, I'll go first, Paul, on this one. I think Australia can win, but I think it. You know, India start massive favourites. Australia will need a bit of luck to go their way. India are, you know, almost unstoppable at home. So if Australia goes there and, you know, we only lose by a test, I actually think it's a good result. Um, I think Australia really can win. Um, obviously, it's going to be difficult. And I suppose if I had to put my life on it, I'd pick India. But I think that um, my, my, my gut feel is Australia's going to win. Um, that I, I think that the Indian side isn't as good as it was two or three That's, years ago. I like it. Um, and I think that the Australian side is just, I mean, any side with Labashain and Smith and, um, the, you know, the way that the form that Kawaj is in, hopefully Cameron Green is going to be um, right for it. Um, you know, I just think, and I think Agar is going to bowl really well um, if, if given the opportunity over there. Um, I, I think that um, it'd be gonna, it's going to be fascinating to see whether Travis Head can succeed. Um, if he can, if he, I hope he keeps on playing the same way, you know, a, a runnable forty in India can can often be quite a, a valuable um, contribution. Uh, I just don't think the Indian side is as powerful as it was um, a few years ago. I think there's a few questions around their batting as well. So um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. Now, what are they yeah, keeping hope- Harris and they're not playing him? Um, I think his numbers are sort of good but not great. So and he's he's sort of there and thereabouts. I don't think they've any got. I don't think they've got a great deal of enthusiasm about him. But um, yeah, I, I probably would be moving on to someone else myself. I think. One thing about Harris they did say is that they see him as being a top-order player. So unlike Renshaw, who spent a lot of time in the middle order for Queensland, um, Harris would only come in for, you would think, Warner or Kawaja. So there's a bit more flexibility with Renshaw. Um, just on India, I guess... Depends on um, whether whether Taurus is rising over Jupiter as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, that's just superstition. I mean, whether, who's, whether he's a top-order or a middle-order player, that's just gibberish. <laughs> Um, so for the Indian, it's not gibberish. Um, uh, for the Indian tour, uh, Cameron Green might not make the first test, which I think will put challenges to the balance of the side. Um, I, I don't have as much confidence in Agar, but I hope you're right. Um, and yeah, there's question marks around Australia's middle order. You know, head who plays at six, uh, how they'll do. But yeah, I mean, look, I hope if we go there and put up a good show, I'll be happy with that. Um, Stephen Matlock, thoughts on. David Warner getting a Fox contract, even whilst he's playing. <laughs> and will he stack up on the commentary front or will you line him up on your commentary critique? Yes, yeah, so I didn't announce that, but you would love this, Paul. So they had the big, this is the way the media works. A big, um, you know, pack of journos on the SCG for the big Fox Sports Channel 7 announcement. And you've got the Fox TV reporter over there. You've got Patrick Delaney. Take, all of them taking questions, and you see the head of Fox Sports. Um, you've got the head of Fox still taking questions. Head of Fox Sports goes around to the Fox reporter and feeds him a question because all of the questions are about the, the money and seven trashing cricket, and he feeds um, – the, the question was, oh, you know, how's the commentary team looking? And, you know, it must be, you know, daunting trying to replace <laughs> Warren and Simons. And then Delaney has a script because I'm on the side. I can see it. So he runs through the list, you know. Oh, you know, he says it's hard to replace, blah, blah, blah. And then he Gilly and Guru and he goes through all the, the stars they've got. And then he goes, but I'm thrilled to announce here we've got someone who, who can't replace Warren, but he's certainly someone, you know, he said Warren was a big fan, blah, 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 and he announced David Warner. The whole thing was a lovely little setup for Fox Sports to get this message out. Um, I think it's strange, but I do think Warner's going to retire at the end of this um, calendar year sometime. Maybe he'll play one more Sydney test, but I'd be very surprised, and then he'll be up in the commentary box. And as I always say in these situations, uh, there should have been an announcement at the same time that Jared Waitley's been picked for Australia. Like, you know, the, the notion that just because you're a great player that you become a commentator, I just find it baffling. I don't dislike Warner like a lot of people do. I quite like Warner. Um, I, I, I like him a, a lot as a player. I think I like him as a person. I've never met him, so I can't really say. But, and I, I think he has interesting things to say about cricket, but I don't think he's going to be a great commentator because I've heard him speak before, I, I just, I, I think, you know, 
only a small percentage of people are going to be great commentators. Only a small percentage of people are going to be great batters. Um, the odds of, of the one player being, being both are highly unlikely. Um, and <clears throat> I think that um, I, I'll give him a go, but my instinct is that when he's on, I'll probably be muting it, which is not to say much because I've muted half the time for almost everyone. I've become a curmudgeonly old sort of, um, sort of so-and-so that a lot of them annoy me. Um, yeah, I'd much rather that if they, you know, if instead they'd, if they'd found someone who's, you know, really enthusiastic about cricket, knew a lot about the history of the game, maybe had a bit of a podcast, um, you know. But he plays. He'll be able to give you insights into being out there. Like what the players are like in the dressing room, yarns about touring, life on the streets growing up in the south of Sydney. I was setting us up for a joke there, but you weren't listening to me. Um, I, was, I was implying was it, it should be me. It should be me or you uh, um, well, instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bit. Someone's been putting tweets out about that. I don't like that lately. Um, look, I've just sort of. I feel much freer, Paul, almost liberated because. And this is no disrespect to cricket commentators, because there are some fantastic commentators. A lot of them are my friends, but I've just accepted. I'm not going to listen to commentary. Most of it's bad. Most of it's bad. And I just listen to podcasts. I know you can't do that. We've talked about this many times. I watch cricket. I listen to great podcasts about Star Wars, history, and then no commentary ever annoys me. It's it's so freeing. Um, yeah, so, yeah. But what you're missing out on is the very best commentary elevates the game. And so uh, yeah. when, you know, give me the choice between um, Tony Gregg or Mike Atherton and others that I really like, I, I, I'm – I definitely rather that than watching it in silence. Silence is my second favorite, and then my third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh are the, <laughs> the lowest standard of yeah, commentators. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've just given up now. Now I just want to do that when I'm commentating, and I'm, I don't care about listening to it anymore. Um, all right, last question. Then we've got to. I've got to. Can't let it go. A fun one. So Michael says, "Menas, is your scheduling of this live episode an attempt to flex some?" Money? and detract from tonight's BBL. Well, there's five people watching, Michael, so I don't think we've had any um, effect on the, the viewership of the BBL. Now, Paul, uh, now, do you ever can't let it go? I, did, I didn't I tell do. you. I do. I do. Why don't you go first? Um, we were sitting last night in the Charlie McCartney Pavilion, and <laughs> forgive me if I've said this on the podcast before. I have a feeling I might have, but the person I was sitting next to said to me, "Who's Charlie McCartney?" And I, like, obviously, oh, got go. furious. Q fifty-minute um, diatribe. Yes. So lock it in, everyone, for the next fifty minutes. It is. No, no, no. You did last night. I can imagine you. Oh no, I thought it was now. Both. But it's just, um, yeah. Please start playing now. So just everyone, when, if you ever think of Charlie McCartney, the Governor General, what a great nickname. Not the Governor, not the General, not the Prime Minister, but the Governor General was his nickname. Um, they used to say back in the day that it was Trumper and McCartney were the two best batters Australia had ever produced prior to, uh, you know, prior to um, the end of the 1920s when he retired. So fantastic player. Uh, if you're ever at North Sydney Oval, you can see the, the Charlie McCartney Pavilion. He was... Uh, and. I read a lot of cricket articles from newspapers in the late 20s and early 30s just after he retired. He very much had the sort of presence that Ricky Ponting now does, like the recently retired absolute superstar. And it's kind of sad that, I mean, it is almost a century later that um, people don't know his name. So remember, Charlie McCartney, the Governor General, one of Australia's first great batters. Love it. All right, my can't let it go is... um... Uh, one of our listeners, Steve, sent the, the Cricket Unfiltered Bingo for 2022. So great listener. And, um, he's, yeah, he's done a bingo chart. And I'm going to read them out square by square, Paul, and we'll work out which of those in this episode we've recorded we would have crossed off. Oh, so, you've done a few already, mate. Don't you worry. Yeah, so Yours are you. all so ticked first, off. The so first one, <laughs> Paul mentions a Bradman innings from 1932. I mean, Bradman's been mentioned like, Eight times, so he almost <laughs> we'll, makes we'll count it in that. We'll count that. Paul makes a reasonable point in a debate, and Menes just moves on quickly. Definitely yes, happened, maybe three times. <laughs> Menes calls for Josh Inglis, not yet, but there's still time. <laughs> Paul criticizes the selectors. I don't think we got that one today, but I sort of did when I was saying that they're stupid for worrying whether it's a middle order or a top order batsman. Yeah, yeah, you definitely did actually. Menes wants someone to resign. Nope. Yep. Definitely didn't. Um, That's rare, though. Meta says he's on the way to the SCG. Well, I, I mean, I 
cinema sort of talked about my day there, so you can half one. Uh, yep. Paul calls for Glenn Maxwell in test team and captain <laughs> and prime minister. Didn't happen. But, Didn't. you know, it should have. It should be. <laughs> uh, I've got some great Maxwell gossip for you after when we stop recording. Um, Paul criticises commentary of former players. Definitely. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I also criticise famous... the commentary of former players who haven't even stopped playing yet or commentating <laughs> or started commentating. <laughs> Menace says a famous person is a friend of the podcast. Mm, well, you said you're, you said you're a friend. You basically said you're friends with all the commentators, um, and that Some you're a, and you're a highly regular feature, regularly featured on Fox Sports. Well, I mean, I, the, all that Premier Cricket and the Shield Cricket is on Fox Sports, and I put out all these clips with the Fox it's Sports K- logo in the one. <laughs> it's on KO. Yes, yeah, Howie Menas. That's the pecking order. Um, Paul reports on a new full Chapelli opinion. Uh, no, I didn't actually, oh, but I have. Uh, no. Ian Chappell's never far from my thoughts, though. Paul says every BBL game should be on FTA same time each night. Well, Paul didn't say it. Cricket Australia did. Um, Menes talks about the JL sacking. Well, <laughs> Justin Langer, uh, I haven't. I went to one of our rival podcasts um, live shows the other night, and J- Justin Langer was the guest. I was in the room. Uh, with just cricketing royalty, and he pulled out some great stories. I was there with Jaleesa Apps. She is a co-host on this show, apparently, um, and it was fantastic. Yeah, talked about, you know, all the good old days. You know, reading between the lines, you know, I don't think he's happy that Cummins wanted him out of the job, um, but he, he was doesn't sound really that bitter anymore. He was asked if there's a divide between the current generation and the former generation. And he insinuated that there is some frustration with the former players that, that this current generation don't seem to put playing for Australia enough above, say, playing in the IPL or T20 competitions. But other than that, JL was hardly a, awesome. Hardly a, a like-for-like comparison, given that the IPL didn't exist when they were all around. It's like, exactly. I think this yeah. current generation is absolutely fine. Hey, did you hear him? You didn't, I know, because you, you were listening to Star Wars. But um, when um, <laughs> Steve when Steve Smith got out, Lagger's commentary, um, he's like, oh, no. what a good bloke. He's decided, oh, you haven't got a wicket yet, uh, Maharaj. I'll give you a wicket. Travis Head has, needs a hit. I'll, get, I'll, I'll give him a chance. Pat Renshaw is out there. He needs a and he, he, Because uh, not a very funny joke. But he, he said it anyway, rather than talking about what I find. But then he just went on and on. He really lent into the joke and delivered a monologue of um, this this joke that Steve Smith had got out deliberately to help others. Ha ha ha. Um, anyway, I, I didn't. Yeah, didn't. Better love coach it. than commentator. Much better coach than commentator. Uh, Paul talks about how busy he is at work and that he hasn't watched every ball. I don't think we've got that today. Um, Paul says he skips between balls on KO. Did we get that mentioned today? No, uh, I, I won't do a separate podcast on that topic because no. I've changed my habits a little bit. So we'll look out for a new series. <laughs> Jaleesa mentions rugby league. Menace loses it. It didn't happen. Uh, Menace slips in that he's commentating a game this weekend. No, but as Paul said, <laughs> I slipped in enough of other things. Um, Paul says we should drop a big name, Cummins, for a game, and Menace loses it. Uh, and I lost it today about Paul's insane take about switching balls. Um Menace doesn't care about close matches, wants Australia to grind the opposition into the dirt and spread their ashes. Uh, I mean, this 3-0 series victory over South Africa is so joyful. I mean, I, I actually, they were miserable today and it looked great. Maharaj, the press conference, he was, I, was, I loved it, loved it. Um, <laughs> um, Menace has, good point, though, oh, that um, Cummins shouldn't be a lock for all four tests in India. Like, if he needs to, um, if, if the conditions aren't right for it, then he should step great. out for a test. Yep, absolutely. If you didn't like JL, we don't like him. Um, Menace has a crack at Cricket Australia. Um, didn't happen this one. Um, Paul mentions TikTok. Well, we spent like half an hour talking about TikTok. So, I mean, that's a pre- that's a great um, bingo list because in one episode we've crossed off, you know, well, almost two-thirds of the list. Um, so thank you, Steve, for sending that in. Um, look, we've gone almost an hour, Paul. I think we should wrap this up. Um, I don't know. Um, where can the listeners find you and on Twitter, TikTok? whatever you're sharing at the moment. Yeah, search for me at paul.dennett, D-E-N-N-E-T-T on TikTok. Um, and look for us, Cricket Unfiltered on TikTok. Um, I mean, I'll give out our Twitter handles, but Twitter seems to be kind of, it doesn't seem to be as, I love Twitter, but at the moment I'm all about TikTok. So join us on TikTok. 
I do like your strategy of filming hot takes and putting them on TikTok um, when you get roasted. Um, all right, so today um, when Steve – now, I just want to take you inside the Australian dressing room. Um, so um, Steve Smith, when he scored his century today, and we'll end with this audio. This will be the closing audio. Um, he, 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 he celebrated by doing a chainsaw. And he explained to um, the media, um, you know, why he did this. And so um, thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll leave you with Steve Smith and the beautiful relationship he has with Marnus Labashain. I assume you're referring to the chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think it was this morning Marn was complaining about getting chainsawed. Um, on Rick's ball that got him out, kicked up a bit and getting chainsawed. So I said to him, um, I thought you were out caught on about 70 anyway, so you'll be right. Like, no worries. He goes, stop being so negative, Steve. I hope you get chainsawed today. So I said, all right, when I get 100, I'll reference the chainsaw. So that was essentially it. I assume you... On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.